0: the truth news network things to trust more than politicians cable company internet speeds stereo equipment out of a white van gas station sushi drinking water from lake erie a weather forecast from al gore things you can trust well let's start with someone immersed in the truth this is tnn the truth news network and to separate noise from reality.
1: Here's Dan Newman. When you put it that way, maybe there's just a lot of things we can't trust anymore. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today on Monday? Which means you had a marvelous weekend, I know. Friends, family, you worshiped, and here we are Monday. And the world keeps turning. And the stuff just keeps happening. Isn't it wonderful that we woke up this morning and we're still breathing, we're on the right side of the dirt, and we have much to look forward to? Let me just say this going into today's show. If you, if you concentrate on just the bad things, you're going to waste a lot of your life because there's plenty of bad stuff out there. In fact, in most cases, if you watch that stuff, if you look for that stuff, if you obsess with that stuff you'll find out at the end of every day you don't have much joy in your life because you can really get caught up in circumstances over which you have no control you just invite them in and you let them just take over your mind dominate your thought process and you end up having a dire expression on your face all day you don't like anything, you don't get along with too many people when you don't think positive things, and you're going to spiral down. Just imagine right now, just imagine this morning that when you woke up, instead of waking up in North America or South America, Australia, New Zealand, you woke up in Ukraine, Kiev, Ukraine. And what awakened you were the bombs that are just about 15 miles north of the city limits of the capital city of Ukraine. Just when you think everything's bad, all you got to do is glance around and see. You're pretty darn fortunate. Most everyone listening right now can and should say the same thing. You're pretty much fortunate for where you are, what you have, who's in your life, and the circumstances that don't mean you're in a war Torn country this morning. God's got this, whatever this is. If you'll live with that as your perspective, all things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to his purpose, you'll find out life's a lot easier, it goes a lot smoother, and you're not always out there beating the bushes to find out what's going on. What's going on? Because it doesn't matter. In the scheme of things, folks. The only things we can impact are those things that we can impact. But yet we spend our lives obsessing about all the things we can't change anyway. Novel idea. Why don't we just look at what's in our path today and just take it on headlong right into the day. No matter what it holds, we're going to make it work. And then just go make it Well, while you were enjoying your weekend, we just entered another soccer season here in Northwest Louisiana. I mean, soccer's almost year-round now. And I'll tell you this one thing, cold weather is not a great place to be in the stands at a soccer game. And to me, I'm just saying, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I got into it because we have grandkids that are playing soccer. And I love the game itself, with the exception of one thing, and that's the offsides penalty. I'm, I'm never going to be able to get a, just accustomed to a one nothing game in any athletic endeavor. You just can't keep a fan base glued in when 1-0 is a big game. All that being said, it doesn't matter what the score is matters how they play the game and it just matters that the grandkids are having a great time they're learning a lot while they're out there and they're working out doing physical labor that's good for them it's a lot easier to watch but I probably ought to be somewhere riding a bike myself all that being said it's monday we're back in the saddle let's get right to it got a lot to share with you this weekend There was a lot of busy thing, busyness that happened, and we're going to get into that. But early today, one thing popped up that I thought you probably didn't hear about somewhere else, but I thought it was pretty important. Vladimir Putin has arrested two top FSB intelligence officers. Hmm, that's interesting. Most of the experts think that's a sign of frustration on the part of Vladimir Putin. According to Russian investigative journalist Andrei Soldatov, Russian Federal Security Service, FSB, confirmed that Foreign Intelligence Head Sergei Basada and his deputy, Anatoly Boyuyuk, have been arrested and detained by President Putin. The arrests were also confirmed by some exiled Russian human rights activists who stated the FSB officers had executed searches at more than 20 Moscow addresses, specifically looking for those who were suspected of communicating with journalists. In other words, Vladimir Putin thinks those FSB officers that he had arrested had been communicating with Western journalists. Just think about that. That's a crime in Russia. The formal basis for conducting those searches is simply an accusation of communicating with journalists and, by the way, we'll just put a little meat in the accusation, embezzlement of funds earmarked for subversive activities. Now, think about that. Here we are. That's supposedly, they tell us they're a free country. Russia, they're not, but they tell us that. In a free country, you arrest people, you arrest people because they're talking to journalists, but you got to come up with a, a great reason for arresting them. Well, it's because they're messing around with journalists and embezzling money from the government. It sounds plausible. It sounds to me like actions taken by a leader that's just not doing too good in the battle, you know? Well, over the weekend, Russia strikes a military site right near the border of Poland and Ukraine and it was a significant escalation. Dozens are dead in just that one incident. Airstrikes on a military training area in Ukraine left 35 people dead according to Lviv Regional Administration in a statement yesterday late. About 30 missiles were fired from jets over the Black and Azov and hit the military base. This is according to Lviv Regional Military Administration Chief Maxim Kotsky in a Facebook statement. Another 134 were hospitalized in that one incident. And they just keep going, folks. Interesting, over the weekend, something popped up that has a lot of ears perked up, listening very closely. According to retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg over the weekend, he said early this morning, Russia has asked China for military assistance and economic assistance. General Kellogg said, there's a real tell here. And here's what the tell is. Tell is the thing that you try to catch a gambler doing where most gamblers, when they're getting a good hand, they don't want to show it, but they they do something the same way all the time. So General Kellogg explained what the tell is. He's going to China to get military support, talking about Putin, and economic support as well. He wouldn't be reaching out to Chinese people for military aid or support if he wasn't having some real problems with his own military. General Kellogg continued, extend it by giving you the Ukrainians as much support as we can. There's got to be ways we can get them those jets. He's talking, of course, about the Ukrainian Air Force. I think that what happened Thursday and Friday on that that vein of uh, conversation, those MiG-29 jets... That uh, Poland had said, hey, we'll lend those or we'll give them to Ukraine, but we're not going to hand them off directly because we don't want Russia coming after us. We're just two nations over and we don't want them to get mad at us. So they offered them to the United States, said they would deliver them to Ramstein Air Force Base, our Air Force Base in Germany. And then the United States could bring those pilots down there and they could train. And our president said, no. We're not going to do that. Ukraine has asked for the MiGs. They obviously need them. Polish authorities have offered to supply them through NATO. And, of course, our Pentagon rejected it. Really, our White House rejected it. you got to be creative how you do it, General Kellogg said. I understand that. But we should give them everything. I don't care if it's a rock. I don't care if it's a BB gun. I don't care if it's a MiG-29. We just need to help them out keep pressing the envelope on Putin. We know he's stretched, and that's why I made the comment about the tell, General Kellogg said. He wouldn't be going to the Chinese if he was not having problems in the fight today. China, of course, has denied any Russian request for military aid, with a spokesperson for the Chinese embassy in the U.S. telling CNN I've never heard of that when asked about reports about such a request coming from Moscow. Separately, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Zhao Wan told the briefing this morning the allegations on the matter disseminated by the U.S. are false information. Liu, meanwhile, called the situation in Ukraine disconcerting and called for utmost restraint and preventing a massive humanitarian crisis. Since this all began in Ukraine, about two and a half million people have fled their homes, according to the United Nations. Western officials calling the exodus one of the biggest refugee crises since the Second World War. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov also denied the claims of Russia reaching out to China for military and economic need, but... um, said this morning that Russia is able to take full control of major Ukrainian cities with no help, absolutely no help, from China. Russia possesses its own independent potential to continue the operation, Peskov said. As we said, it's going according to plan and will be completed on time and in full. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan yesterday on one of the talk shows, said that the U.S. was watching closely to see whether China does provide support to Russia, whether it's material support or economic support. I wonder how they can tell. That's the interesting thing to me. I don't think they can tell. I'm pretty sure China and Russia are smart enough where they can move money around, even though they have these sanctions against uh, Russia. China could do it, if they want to do it. Sullivan, of course, said, oh, that's a concern of ours. We have communicated to Beijing that we will not stand by and allow any country to compensate Russia for its losses from the economic sanctions. Now, let me tell you what this is doing. Let's put all this in context. Every weekend, you know it, you see it. If you are oblivious, you may not know what's going on, but everybody else knows that on Sunday morning, all the political pundits and spokesmen they make the rounds of the Sunday news talk shows. They have to. That's the most watched in the major networks every week. And so typically what happens, you'll have two or three guys going out on behalf of the president. You'll have two or three guys going out. And when I say guys, I mean that includes women too. But you'll have two or three going out speaking from the Democratic side. You know, the left You've got people on the right and people on the left. And it's politics is all it is. You're going to hear everything you can imagine, everything that those on one side want to hear. And then when you look at the other presentation, the people on that side, they get everything they want to hear from the other side, trying not just to give us the truth, because if they would do that, there wouldn't be two sides. Somebody would just say, Here's the story, bam, end of it, and Americans are getting tired of this. You can't imagine how people feel, everyday people feel about all of this. They know it's important stuff going on. They know it's very serious, what's going on, but people do not have time to sit in front of a television for hours on hours every day just to get facts. And you have to do that now because you really don't know what source to turn to that's going to give you accurate information 24-7. You have to cherry pick what you see in here just to somehow try to get a uh, an angle on the facts, hoping that what little you can glean from each of these sources is going to be good enough for you to be able to understand what's really going on. I got to be honest with you. I, this is what I do. My wife hates how much time I spend doing research. But that's the only way to find things out. Of course, she loves it when I find things out and I share them with her. And we all are just like that to some extent. What we've got to do, folks, is find a way to communicate something more simple than on a blog site. Maybe a show like this. Some place where we can go and feel comfortable, there's sources there that are going to be true, they're going to be vetted, and you're not going to have to wonder when you hear it. I wonder if that's really true. Is there just politicization in it? Are there facts there? Political partisanship? Or is it just plain fact? And I got to be honest with you, you, watch those Sunday talk shows, you're not going to get it there. You're not going to get it there. So we have so many other things going on and it all just kind of fits in hand in glove. Everything's connected today. Did you know that God finally reached down on planet Earth and just wiped COVID-19 away? Finally. We couldn't do it. The Biden administration couldn't do it. The Trump administration couldn't do it. So God just swooped down on the earth that he made and he just said, I've had enough of this. COVID's gone. You don't hear a whimper in the news today about COVID-19. I'm going to give you a number right now that will just nauseate you. You'll have to run to the restroom over this. We all know right now, COVID-19, yeah, there's still some around, but it's quote-unquote manageable. Do you know the manageable, the manageable environment in which we find ourselves right now regarding everything to do with COVID-19, specifically cases and deaths. There's no uproar. There's no horror. There's no lockdowns. There's no social distancing, people being scared to death to be around someone else. But do you know what? The death count per day in the United States with COVID-19 as the official cause of death today. Is higher than it was two years ago when we started our total lockdown and our entry into fear gate. More people are dying every day today from COVID 19 as a cause of death than we were then. But we're all relaxed, we've got our arms around it as a nation. Democrats got through using it for their political purposes, spending trillions of dollars, much of it needlessly, driving our debt out the wazoo, and now they don't even sweat. It's like COVID-19. You watch a CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, even ABC, CBS, and NBC News, if you watch any of their headlines right now, a full slate of stories, COVID's not even there. That's hard for me to believe. But you know what replaced COVID? It's not Russia, Ukraine. It's inflation, specifically as it pertains to fuel. Fuel. And everybody understands now more than ever before the battle, the war between fossil fuel and green energy. Not because green energy is bad. Let me just get into this. Why does And speaking of green energy, the new Green Deal or the Green New Deal, however they say the word, let's put that out here and discuss it for a few minutes. Why doesn't anybody on the left come with some objective, realistic conversation about the transition of the United States away from fossil fuel and totally across the street to renewable energy? Nobody's talking about how to get there. They just tell us, we got to get there right now, today. Don't even tell us how we're going to do that. Wait a minute. We're not already at the Green New Deal? Absolutely not. Besides the fossil fuel big, big companies and millions of American employees, and others who work in jobs that use fossil fuel indirectly for goods and products to generate their sources of revenue... Not a single leader in the renewable Green New Deal energy world has ever even offered a credible, documented, factual process to move our nation away from fossil fuel to renewables. Now think about the leaders that are included that haven't given us a transition plan. Former Secretary of State John Kerry The leader of the squad, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Senator Bernie Sanders, and even Al Gore. There's no plan. Here's how we do it. We transition away. They just wanted us, and Joe Biden has done it, just turn the switch off for fossil fuel and try to turn the switch on for green energy. And nobody can do that. Those people I just mentioned, they know you can't do it without an exhaustive, long-term, realistic plan to transition. They know better than most of us. There are no shortcuts, too, for any transition. Why then would they, day after day, year after year, scream from the heavens, demanding instant and total abandonment of fossil fuel? It's an impossibility, folks. Just attempting to do that would destroy the American economy. Yeah, kind of like we're watching play out right now. So why haven't they done it? Why no plan? Why aren't they out there selling the process? Nothing but this would ever drive the population to go in that direction. And to further exacerbate the issue and all its problems any pursuit of a transition to 100% or even a majority percentage of renewables would drive the nation into bankruptcy or inflation that would create a permanent majority that was totally dependent on the government for everything. Maybe that's their objective. I don't know. Why not offer an alternative And give us a road map to get there that seems plausible. I'll tell you why in just a few minutes that's not going to happen. So how did we get here so quickly? Why did we get here so quickly? Here are a few points to think about as we answer that question. You remember hearing the name the Willow Oil Project in Alaska's National Petroleum Reserve? It's a massive oil reserve. It contains enough oil and gas to deliver 160,000 barrels of oil every day, plus gas, to U.S. consumers for the next 30 years, if and when it's completed. The project was approved by Donald Trump, but blocked by far-left activists in federal court. Now President Biden's administration has got to decide whether to issue a new environmental report approving the project or side with environmental activists and kill it. Think about that. Enough. Enough. 160,000 barrels of oil per day for 30 years from that one site. And this, folks, it's not just a domestic issue. It's a foreign policy issue. Some Democrats don't see the link between domestic oil production and national security. This is the same tired argument they've been making for the last several years. When we live in this binary world where countries have to either buy our fossil fuels or buy Vladimir Putin's, that was said by California Democrat Jared Huffman. In a decarbonized world, he said, talking about Putin, he is powerless. His country is poor and they'll be looking for a new leader. So that's a Green New Deal guy, Jared Huffman. If he were, Huffman, were able to snap his fingers and magically decarbonize the world overnight, then he might have a point. There would no longer be a binary choice. you got to pick this or that, period, between developing our fossil fuels or buying Vladimir Putin's. But here in the real world, renewable energy, it's dead. Decades away from even closely being able to replace fossil fuels. Putin's entire grand strategy involves exploiting that reality as long as he can. Both Europe and Biden have played right into his hands. At least until now. Just look at Europe's decisions over the last decade about fuel. How those decisions have already empowered Putin. As recently as 2,000 European Union countries produced about 10 million terajoules of national gas per year and imported just about 7 million terajoules a year from Russia. A terajoule is a unit of energy in the international system of unit. Then, far-left environmentalists came to power, moved the European Union away from producing natural gas. The movement toward renewables was not nearly fast enough. By 2020, EU countries produced less than 4 million terajoules of natural gas and had to import over 9 million terajoules from Russia. So, yes, the European Union did reduce natural gas consumption by 4 million terajoules, but it became more dependent, not less dependent, on Putin's natural gas exports in the process. If Democrats don't think Putin was acutely aware of this crippling voluntary dependency when he made his calculations on whether to invade Ukraine, then you don't know the first thing about geopolitics. It's all connected. There's no geopolitical action that exists in a vacuum. There's a bunch of stuff always involved. Biden started the U.S. down the road toward energy dependency, not, not domination or not leadership. Dependency. We are no longer producing our own energy. We're buying it from Vladimir Putin. Remember this, as recently as October of 2021, month before Biden was elected, the U.S. was energy dependent, independent, Not only were we able to provide 100% of our energy, we were exporting oil and gas to countries around the world, including in Europe. On his first day in office, Joe Biden imposed a moratorium on new oil and gas leasing on all federal lands. And of course, he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline permit. Now, don't, don't be tempted to fall for the Jen Saki line when she said there are 9,000 leases for gas and oil production of federal land that there's no explanation or drilling underway. Go ask the energy companies why they are not developing oil and gas in those lands included in those 9,000 leases. Well, how about an answer? Nah. Jen, besides President Biden on Day one, canceling the XL pipeline permit, he quietly issued a stack of egregious regulations on future oil and gas exploration and development, and he did it to prevent, slow, or just stop already existing development, and he's doing it on purpose, pandering to the Green New Deal sycophants. Oil and gas companies don't operate in the same four-year cycles as do American presidents in politics. It's not cheap to lease a bunch of land, drill and complete wells, and then transport oil and gas all over the world to market. A typical shale gas well costs at least $15 million to drill and complete. That, of course, is if they chose the right spot on which to drill. And a typical project like that includes at least four wells. $60 million for four wells is a whole lot to spend on a project, especially betting on how Joe Biden, how he's going to let the free market determine the success with those and other sites he hasn't lately. What makes anybody that's got $60 million in their pocket think he's going to now? The private sector cannot trust Biden in the U.S. He changes policies at the drop of a dime. Who can justify $60 million and more in investments when he just might pull all the permits on a win, like he did with the XL pipeline? How much money did those companies have invested in producing that? That's just gone. Who wins in the Biden energy world? Think about that for a second. Who's the big winner? It's not Iran. It's not Mexico. Certainly not us. How about Vladimir Putin? So in this currently understood set of circumstances, will Biden further empower Vladimir Putin and the autocrats of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries by killing that Alaskan project, the Willow project we talked about at the top of this. Huffman, that California Democrat, and other Democrats are right in one sense. The U.S. does not have to choose between renewable energy and fossil fuels because it can pursue both at the same time something had been mentioned here. We can also pursue nuclear energy. Germany used to get 30% of its electricity from nuclear energy. But again, thanks to far-left environmental activists, it's down to 11% there today. If you want to defeat Putin and OPEC and reduce carbon emissions at the same time, the correct course is to produce as much energy as you possibly can. What kind All of the above. So, let's chat for a moment about the lunacy of the timing of Joe Biden's energy policies. I've never seen a good corporate manager, let alone a U.S. president, make major decisions simply on a whim, as this president has done. I've never seen it before. Cancellation of leases ignoring laws and regulations, many of which were passed legislatively by Congress and signed into law by presidents, has never been done. That whole process has never happened by any previous president. It's as if the incessant cries against former President Trump for being an authoritarian ruler and a Putin wannabe are now falling on deaf ears, but we've got that in this president that same thing that Donald Trump was blamed for doing that he never did. Nobody can point to anything, not one thing he tried to do or did that was an authoritarian thing. I can give you two handfuls of Biden occurrences that do. Biden's policy decisions are issued like a second grade room mother. You remember back then for field day, room mothers would give the students the rules for the competition. Everybody knew the rules were never going to make it out on the field and that even if they did get implemented, they'd never be abided by. And of course, moms and kids, they just didn't care. They liked the excitement. Joe Biden's more like a room mom than a president. As we know, he was a lifeguard. Remember? He told the world how the kids at the pool loved to come and rub the white hairs on his leg as he sat in his lifeguard chair. Yuck. (laughs) That's nauseating to think about. Room moms and Biden know things will not be operated as they should be regardless of the rules or laws as we know them in his case. The lifeguard's attention is diverted by other more important things. Every policy, almost without fail, is obviously, in this administration, poorly timed, poorly structured, and seems to have no real meaning that has to do with what's best for the American people. And it should begin and start and stop there. Don't dare disagree with the policies of their purposes. OMG, a full assault will be launched from the White House that uses every one of the leftist labels of a xenophobe, a racist, or a white supremacist for the guilty party who squealed. In the context of all our critical issues today, we have a president that refuses to listen to the calls of the majority of America. For him to go back, go back to the policies of Trumponomics, You remember those days a long time ago, Trumponomics reduced unemployment, lowered our taxes, put more people to work than ever before. The Trumponomics policies dramatically increased federal tax revenues in spite of the -the across-the-board tax deductions, increased write-offs, etc. for American citizens and all types of business. They virtually sealed our southern border, which effectively eliminated illegals that had been flooding into our nation, bringing with them violent crime, illegal drugs, and who knows what types of diseases because they don't check them. We have no way of knowing. A real U.S. president follows the law, the rule of law, as all presidents have taken an oath to do. Not this president. He tramples every day. On laws, Dozens, if not hundreds, of federal laws duly passed by Congress, signed into law, he's ignoring them and telling those that work for him to do that too. Ignore them. Now, it's understandable that a new president, we want to make some changes, new policies of those that were all in place by a predecessor. After all, it stands to reason the people vote for the candidate, in a presidential election, the policies that person promised in the campaign—that's what they voted for as well. In the case of Joe Biden, the will of the American people is nowhere in his consideration for his policy decisions. His administration is on the leftist train of totalitarianism that is leading us toward failure—failure failure in our economy, our public education system, our healthcare system our world foreign policy standing, and the destruction of the entire law enforcement environment of the United States. Yes, he implemented. He put into position a massive percentage of his policies almost overnight. He's quick to say that's what the American people elected him to do. In reality, though, it's not the people that have driven his agenda It's been a small group of partisan hacks led by who knows that have prayed for a chance to do justice for decades. And the people are the ones funding it all while having no say in it. Stop crying that this is what Americans wanted when electing Joe Biden in 2020. And then there's Democrats were elected to control majorities in the House and the Senate. That means they won't these social policies implemented across the board or they wouldn't have voted for us. If the 2020 elections were the true representation of the will of the people, why today do 80% of the people strongly feel this administration is taking us down the wrong path? Why would 80%, 8 out of 10, feel that way if he was doing what he said he was going to do. Just as almost daily information leaks that state things during COVID-19's pandemic, many of the truths we were given to change our lives were not truthful at all. We learned decisions made across the board by this administration are not what was promised. The people are not in charge of the United States as the Constitution promised We would be. The people are not represented in policies enacted by this president or this Congress. Who's in charge? (laughs) That's the number one question we should all ask. Who is in charge? It's not the president. It's not Congress. Is it Vladimir Putin? So as we go to our first break, let me ask you a question. You think about this during the break. Give me the daisy, Give me the daisy chain of the most powerful men on the planet. Who are the, who are the top three? Who are the top five? The most powerful people in government on Earth. Think about that during the break. I've got some thoughts after this at TNN Live. Ready, set, ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash.
2: Here we go. And big crash. <laughs> on the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. To win it all. A big winner of $1 million. <laughs> Ben, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep.
3: On your cart, get, get yes, yeah. And
2: we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire. <laughs> it all starts tonight, 8, 7 Central on ABC and stream on Hulu.
4: Experience WOW customer service at TennisExpress.com. 24-7 phone support and live chat. Product reviews on the latest gear and discounts for your team. Secure payment options with PayPal, Amazon, and more. Exclusive products including limited edition tees. Rackets strung by master racket technicians on state-of-the-art machines. Plus, free shipping on orders over $25. Shop TennisExpress.com today.
0: The truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut. You and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: I'll bet you when I said, uh, we're going to talk about the top leaders in the world, I bet you begin to think, well, you know, maybe things are changing because the president of the United States is always the top leader, the biggest leader, the more po- most powerful leader on, on the planet. <laughs> and you paused and you said, Joe Biden? I don't know about that. I don't think he's number one, folks. I don't think he's number two. I don't think he's number three. Wow. Think about it. A real leader would have looked at what is happening before it happened, Ukraine being invaded by Russia, and would have taken some type of preemptive action to stop it from happening without happening, in other words, until, make it very clear to Vladimir Putin, a bunch of us have gotten together, and if you do this invasion, here are the prices you're going to pay. Joe Biden didn't do any of that. He was pushed by people who understand war, who understand getting prepared for war, that advised him, levy those serious sanctions on Vladimir Putin and Russin way before the Ukrainian invasion starts, and tell him, if you don't invade, we'll consider removing those sanctions." But until we know that you've moved all those 100,000-plus Russian soldiers off of Russia-Ukraine's border, you're going to live under these sanctions. And then also, in unity, in unity. In other words, it's not the president of the United States flying solo, but he has all of NATO behind him, and then he has all of the other neighboring countries in Europe, neighboring countries to... Russia and Ukraine that are all in accord. If Russia does this, they're toast. I imagine Donald Trump, George Bush, 41 and 43, both of the Bushes, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, there's no question in my mind, every one of those names I just gave you, those presidents would have done something that looked and sounded like what I just told you. Look what happened when Ukraine started crying for help while Russia was slaughtering innocent Ukrainian civilians, not just members of the Ukrainian military. Babies were dying. Moms were dying. Men and women, they didn't do anything wrong. Their country didn't do anything wrong and they're being slaughtered. I have never in my lifetime watched as any country in the free world was being treated this way, and everybody else just kind of stood to the side and every once in a while threw a rock over to Ukrainians for them to use that rock to throw at Vladimir Putin. There is no question in my mind today that Vladimir Putin is the most powerful leader on the planet, who's number two. Xi Jinping. Think about it. Our country, the leaders in our country, leaders in Congress on the left at least, they all look, they're petrified, horrified that Vladimir Putin's going to go nuclear. If you are afraid that Vladimir Putin's going to go nuclear, what about China? What about Xi Jinping? Actually, I think those two, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, probably it's a toss up for who are the most powerful. Right now, I would think it would be Xi Jinping because he hasn't been spending tens of millions of dollars every day while Vladimir Putin has. And Putin is struggling for money right now. And he can't, if he had it in bank accounts, he can't access it because those bank accounts have been shut down for any kind of international transmission. So who would be number three? Now think about it before we come up with a name. If you have Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping tied at one and two, who would be the third most powerful leader of a country on the planet? Can you think of a name? Used to, I would say, The UK, Boris Johnson, or the leader of Australia, maybe even the leader of Canada, but what about the United States president? Well, Joe would probably right now, in the way he's running our government, he would probably slide down to maybe five or six thrown in there with Boris Johnson of the UK Trudeau of Canada and you think and you say oh my gosh those guys are idiots how could the United States of America have a guy in the White House that would actually be considered to be the fifth or sixth most powerful president on earth we have really slipped down on a bad, bad slope to a very bad place and standing on the planet in a little over a year. It takes a long time to build a good reputation and to establish credibility, showing integrity, showing power without being nasty. We had done that through two and a half centuries. It took Joe Biden a year to destroy that. Our standing on earth, it's almost unmentionable. And it's due partly to who's in power with Joe Biden. What about Vice President Kamala Harris? <laughs> She's a heartbeat away from replacing Joe Biden. Think about that. Kamala Harris, former prosecutor in San Francisco then Attorney General of the State of California, then elected to the United States Senate, and then she decided to run for president. She threw in the towel before the first primary because in her own state, California, she wasn't leading the polls among Democrats to run for the White House. And somehow, someway, she got chosen to be Joe Biden's running mate. So she's vice president. Borders are appointed proudly. President Biden told us all, I've appointed Vice President Kamala Harris. She's going to take charge and resolve our southern border crisis. She wouldn't even go to the border. She wouldn't even meet with any anybody until after months she was just berated day after day, not doing anything about it. And certainly didn't go down there until she was pressured to. And she didn't even go to the hot spot on our side of the border. She went to El Paso, way, way, way southwest. She didn't get her hands dirty. So it's like every few weeks, Joe gets a phone call from somebody in power in the Democrat Party and said, Mr. President, we got to do something. Vice President Harris isn't doing anything. She's not making any noise. She's not supporting any of your policies out among the American people. And Joe said, Kamala Harris, who's that? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But the handlers say, you know what? we got to be very careful when we put her out in the public eye because she says some really crazy stuff. And she gets off script And when she gets off script, she's worse than Joe Biden when he gets off script. Here's just a little summary of Vice President Kamala Harris during this past week.
5: We have seen through images on the television, looking at images is something that occupies one of our highest priorities in terms of paying attention to, Mm. and we will, of course, participate as appropriate and necessary. But
0: she's picking up a scent watch this.
5: We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see and because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen.
0: This is great. (laughs) I'm usually behind one-way glass during this part
2: and a shining example of democratic leadership. There is no issue too small, no obstacle too large. If it means helping the American people, she will be there.
1: She goes from Warsaw, Poland, the first part you just heard. Now she's back in the United States speaking to the Democrat Party leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, Vice President Kamala Harris...
5: And thank you for the work that you did to get us into the White House. (laughs) I just looked at our president and I said, you're again making history. You're again making history. Think about that. We have accomplished so much. Our task is to show people that in many ways they got what they ordered. Right? They said this is what they wanted. They stood in line. They took time from work. It was difficult. And a lot of what they demanded, they got. And so let's get out there as we do and remind them of that. Because we know that they will show up again. And they will say yes. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Our charge is to bring hope back to this great nation. Our task is to show people that in many ways they got what they ordered. Right?
1: (laughs) In many ways the American people got what they ordered. I don't know of one American today that can look at the promises that were told to Democrats in the campaign. Here's what we're going to do if you elect us. I can't think of one Democrat that will say, honestly say, yeah, they've done what I wanted them to do. They didn't talk about raising the price of gas by $2.40 a gallon. Didn't talk about that. Promised exactly the opposite for that matter. They did promise that they would do away with fossil fuel, that they would stop exploration of oil and gas in the United States and off our shores on all three sides of the country that are bordered by water. They did all those kinds of things, but none of the results were what they told us they would be. Our expectations were the panacea of green new energy everywhere was going to take over and we'd have no carbon emissions anywhere by now and it wouldn't cost us anything to go to the gas station because we were charging our cars at home in our garages overnight. None of that has materialized, but what has is inflation. Inflation. Horrible standing on the planet in every sector of life for the Americans and every other person on the planet, every other country. Nothing's better today than when they were running for president, vice president. Nothing is better. And here we come to the midterms. We're going to get into the midterms in a little bit. We've got some stuff that uh, I don't know if it'll make you mad or make you uh, laugh. But this is just getting crazier and crazier, and we're watching it play out. It doesn't make sense. Nobody can look at the plan, if there is one, and say, this will fit. This is what we need to do. So while VP Harris was stumbling through a Warsaw-Poland press conference with Polish President Duda, former Vice President Mike Pence, under Donald Trump, was just a couple of hundred miles away from Kamala. Praying with Ukrainian refugees in a border village town just by the border with Poland. Pence along with his wife Karen were volunteering with Christian evangelical charity Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse. Mission for Samaritan's Purse is to help meet needs of the people who are victims of war, poverty, natural disasters, disease, and famine with the purpose of sharing God's love through his son, Jesus Christ. Billy Graham's son took the mantle, and he's really, he's caused Samaritan Purse to just fire up. It's huge. Every natural disaster that ever happens anywhere on the planet, Samaritan's Purse shows up. A source said that as Mr. and Mrs. Pence were traveling as private citizens on a humanitarian mission, They did not inform the State Department or anyone inside the Biden administration of their dangerous trip to the war-torn nation. A press release on Samaritan's Purse website said that Mr. and Ms. Pence visited with the organization's disaster assistance response team before taking off to go to Ukraine to listen to the stories of Ukrainian citizens as they were preparing to get out of the country as refugees. He held their hands provided words of comfort. I want the Ukrainian people to know that Americans are standing with them in prayer. Vice President Pence said, I appreciate that Samaritan's Purse is always on the front lines with help in Jesus' name. Where there is suffering, you are there. Pence, he looked at the horrors in Ukraine. He described it. As one of unspeakable violence with Russian aggression driving an immense humanitarian crisis. To date, we're up to about two and a half million refugees that have crossed the border to escape the conflict. We're very grateful that Vice President and Mrs. Pence care so much about the Ukrainian people, said Edward Graham, Vice President of Operations for Samaritan's Purse. They were a great encouragement to our team. This situation is heartbreaking. We're here to do all we can to help relieve suffering. To that end, Samaritan's Purse established a medical stabilization point in Ukraine at the Lviv train station and is seeing patients 24 hours a day. Additionally, the ministry is sending a 747 loaded down with approximately 100 tons of relief materials from the U.S. They're sending that right now as we speak into Poland. This is our third major airlift in response to the Ukraine crisis, they said, The plane will hold extensive medical supplies, including the final equipment to complete our nearly 60-bed emergency field hospital being set up outside of Lviv. Also on board are hygiene kits, winter coats, blankets, other items to help those who are fleeing the escalating conflict. Pence tweeted, and he urged in the tweet, followers to pray and to contribute to Samaritan's Purse and organizations like it. That's a former vice president, and you just listened to the current vice president. There's really not there's really not a lot of commonality in what the two said. There's not much commonality in who they really are as people and certainly as policymakers. Kamala Harris, I've said it before, I'll say it now, she's an empty suit. And I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. I call it just like it is. It is what it is. What the person does is a whole lot more important than what the person says they are about. Don't tell me about it. Show me. That's a novel idea. So how's your money getting started? We got a big crowd listening in today. Don't forget at any time, if you want to weigh in, maybe talk about my uh, top leaders that I picked a few minutes ago, top leaders in the world. You want to add a point, question me, tell me I'm stupid, or bring up another conversation. At any time, you can call in, toll-free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. I guess you heard over the weekend, Israel got a wake-up call. Fortunately, they didn't get it right through the window, but they heard about an attempt to send missiles to Iraq from Iran targeted at the Israeli consulate in Iraq, but they missed. So this war in Ukraine apparently is an emboldened Iraq. I'm scu. excuse me, Iran. They're bold enough to just start shooting missiles into a neighboring country. And they were aiming at the Israeli consulate there. They missed. Listen, folks. Now the missiles didn't miss. They exploded. I don't think there were any casualties. But listen to this. I promise you, if Iran ever gets a missile, And to any serious Israeli development, location, building, schools, wherever, that could be the beginning of the start of World War III if we're not already in that right now with Russia invading Ukraine and the fallout from that. People, we are right on the brink. Let me just say that. Let me just be very clear. We're right on the brink of something big happening. World War III, I don't know but a conflict that would include more countries than just two, Ukraine and Russia. I promise you there would be there would be a bunch of other people that would uh, join the defense force of any invading countries like Russia and China if they came aboard. I got to be honest with you in this whole thing. I think China's the Trump card, and I'm using the name Trump facetiously, I'm meaning it in its true meaning. China is the Trump card. Whatever conflict and whoever gets in it, if they get China on their side, it's going to make a huge difference of the outcome. That's exactly why Vladimir Putin is reaching out, already has, I'm sure when he was at the Olympics in Beijing as a special guest of Chinese President Xi Jinping, there was a discussion about potential aid from China now, of course, China's saying, "Oh no, 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 no we don't we're not we're not sending anything to Russia. You and I both know when they say that that means they're ready if they haven't already to support Vladimir Putin economically, and we'll see other types of aid there. Consider this now, remember those uh, sanctions that are put on Russia are pretty serious. There are a lot of things that they can't do now that they're going to have to find other ways to do some of which they probably will be able to with China. China, by the way, has started several years ago. It's own digital banking system, online banking system. Don't think for a second that Russia right now is not using that system to circumvent Biden's sanctions to get some money moving around. It's kind of like having a bank account and then having a Bitcoin account. There are things that you can do from your Bitcoin account that you can't do from your regular bank account. That's in existence right now. Today, I have a Bitcoin account and I've got bank accounts. I can use my Bitcoin account to do things that I can't do with my regular bank account. Now, I probably shouldn't have said that because now it's out there. (laughs) I have a Bitcoin account. Actually, it's not Bitcoin. It's a currency wallet in which there is some digital money. China's been right there for several years. You can't just cut them off, folks. You can try, but you can't just cut them off. Certainly, he's in really deep trouble because billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars of Russian oil money that was banked, that was in the process of feeding This war with Ukraine has now been blocked. Vladimir Putin has no access to it because it was cut off by these sanctions of these banks. They can't do business with Russia while this is going on. So he's in a box, but I think he's kind of like Wiley the Fox. I think he can get out of any box that he gets in, and I think the trump card for him is Xi Jinping. So what else is going on? Looking backwards a little bit, just for a moment, you know who Mark Levin is. Mark Levin is a uh, a Jewish guy. He's a talk show host. He's got a daily talk show on radio. I think his TV show is daily, Monday through Friday. He works a lot on television. He's a constitutional attorney. Um, his delivery... I have a question with. I gotta be honest with you. I really like him. I like what he says. I like what he stands for. His delivery can sometimes make you stand back a little bit and say, ah, you know, I don't I don't know about that. Kind of like Donald Trump. Well, he has a Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and LeVin on Fox News Channel. Yesterday on his show, he blasted the Biden administration for its response to a situation in Ukraine that is spiraling out of control. Levin said the status quo made him miss the days of former presidents Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Trump, according to Levin, looked to be a foreign policy genius based on the present situation compared. Here's what Mark Levin said. As you watch and I sit here, Vladimir Putin's thugs are committing war crimes and atrocities, and he's directing them, he being Vladimir Putin. And in fact, as far as Putin is concerned, Levin said they're not committing enough war crimes and atrocities because only then does he believe that they can take Ukraine and take Ukraine quicker than he can right now. This is Levin speaking. Biden likes to say bottom up and middle out when it comes to the economy. Nobody really knows what he's talking about, But I want to use that in the military context with Putin. What Putin means by bottom up, in, middle, out, is this. I want to kill as many of their citizens as I can in Ukraine, starting with the babies and the women to make it so atrocious, so horrific, so inhumane, that the government will finally hand me these cities and hand me the country and hand me the entire society so I can finally get what I want, Ukraine. And then from there, I intend to move. I intend to move beyond that. Now, how do we know he intends to move beyond that, Levin is asking? Because he told us. He spoke about it and wrote about it last summer. What is it was these analysts don't understand? This is just the beginning. That's what they don't understand. The very beginning when it comes to Vladimir Putin. Now, we keep hearing the word escalation. We don't want to escalate things. War crimes are one thing. Genocide is another, but we can escalate beyond beyond that. Putin hears this. His lapdog, Lavrov, he hears this, the foreign minister. They all hear it. So what do they do? They just ramp up their threats and the nature of their threats because they hear us talking about it. Well, we fear escalation. They hear that. What he doesn't hear us talking about is deterrence, something to keep him from moving further. Deterrence. Peace through strength is about deterrence. Have you heard one glimmer of that coming from anybody in the Biden administration? No, hearken back to Benghazi. You remember that when the uh, all the conversations began and Congress rallied around trying to hold and find out what happened in Benghazi and who was responsible for it, had the hearings. You didn't hear any of that leadership and any of that. Everybody was fading the heat. Nobody wanted to be pointed at while everybody was. Hillary Clinton was top of the heap, and the same people that are in the Biden administration at the top, or they were in the top when that happened, in Libya, and Benghazi, our defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, he was the director of CENTCOM. He was over all the U.S. military in uh, Europe, in the Middle East, and in Africa. He was in charge. He was involved in the decision-making process during that night in Benghazi. Jake Sullivan was in then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's operation. She was right in the middle of it. Antony Blinken, now our Secretary of State, he was one of Hillary's right-hand men. They didn't make decisive decisions then. They're not making decisive decisions now. Joe Biden, folks, oh my gosh, probably the worst decision-maker I've ever run across. It's almost like, Somebody hands him a piece of paper with a question up at the top, and in bold letters down at the bottom, they write the answer. It's a multiple-choice thing up top. It's got three or four possible answers. They write down at the bottom of the page the answer, the right answer. All he has to do is just give that number of that answer, and he wins. Nine out of ten times, he gives the wrong number. That's not an exaggeration, folks. What we're living through right now was unnecessary. It still is unnecessary. But this guy, this president, refuses to simply do what the right things say he should do. And because of that, look what's happening. The people, you and me, we're struggling and we're suffering because of it. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network.
4: Shop at HM. Be stylish, be trendy, with women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to HM and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at HM, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow! So cheap and affordable. I know right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price.
1: So what are you waiting
6: for? Come shop at H&M today.
4: Hashtag hot and modern.
6: The I'm crazy hungry so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive through to get a Big Mac right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girls feeling Hangry Meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves. Like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10-piece chicken
2: McNuggets, or filet of fish And get another for just a dollar. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New homeownership can be a real eye-opener. But it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com/workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com/workshops.
1: Just a minute ago, we talked about who you thought, who I thought were the most influential, the most powerful leaders on the planet, and we came up with three or four or five. Let's do this. Let's talk about what are the most important things that consume our time and our thought life. Let's think about that for just a moment. Now, Joe Biden, he's basking in um, the glow of a, a brief respite that he got Because his polling numbers were just through the floor. They were horrible. And he got a little bump when uh, Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. Still riding a little bit of that. But um, it it appears that's not going to last for a long time. So let's for a second, let's just talk about what's going on in the world, the problems, the biggest, greatest problems in the world, and how they are being handled. The American people rate those top six. So what would you think would be number one? COVID? The war? No, number one, this is according to a poll taken by Rasmussen last week. Number one is inflation. Eighty eight percent of Americans are concerned about it. Sixty two are very concerned. That's number one. Number two, violent crime. of Americans are concerned about it. 61% are very concerned. Now we're getting down to the meat. What's what's next? COVID. Illegal immigration. Nope. Election integrity is number three. 83% say that integrity in our elections and assurance that the election process is being handled according to law. 83% say it's important 62% say, very important. So we've got four, five, six left. We still don't have COVID. Hmm. Number four, social school issues. 76% are concerned. 58% very concerned. So number one, again, is inflation. Number two, violent crime. Number three, election integrity. Number four, school issues. Number five, illegal immigration. 73% of the Americans polled illegal immigration is important. 52% very important. Number six, this is impossible. (laughs) This cannot be true. It's the last one in our list. COVID-19, 68% are concerned about it. 39%, only 39% are very concerned whether the media will be successful to gaslight Americans into swallowing the excuse that gas prices, which were already skyrocketing before Putin ever invaded Ukraine, and the just-released Consumer Price Index for February showed that prices are up almost 8% from a year ago and accelerating at the fastest pace since January of 1982. These are the big stories. And another problem for Biden and his brothers and sisters of Democrat land, lagging just behind inflation and violent crime, election integrity. Have you thought about this much? According to a um, a paragraph in a report pulled out of the Rasmussen report, More than half of voters believe cheating affected the 2020 election. And an overwhelming majority say the issue of election integrity is important, most important in the midterm elections coming up this November. These latest Rasmussen report notes, national telephone and online survey, that's what it is, they found 83% of likely voters believe election integrity will be important in this year's congressional elections including 62% who say they will be very important COVID down the line at number 19 but on the top of every American's minds it's not just inflation they dig into what inflation is the worst and it's gasoline it's gasoline So do you know the name Ed Markey? Ed Markey, former governor of Massachusetts, now a U.S. senator, very powerful U.S. senator. He's a Democrat, and he has claimed that despite an abundance of evidence showing that clean energy is currently neither as reliable nor as efficient as traditional energy, Americans should invest in it right now instead of the latter. He made this assertion while delivering a speech during this past weekend at the Democrat National Committee's winter meeting. This is a quote. Republicans and their oil-soaked cronies want to feed the American people one of the biggest lies of all, that drilling for more oil and gas is the path to energy independence. He said that during his speech. Republicans say that they have all of the above plan, but it's really an oil above all plan. The GOP always has stood for the gas and oil party, and its argument of drilling equals energy independence is leakier than an old oil tanker. He's getting blasted. He's just getting blasted by pretty much everybody. Critics have noticed, now this is just one example, former President Trump had achieved energy independence, only to have his policies that got us there rolled back by Joe Biden. Critics have also noted the Biden administration's current plan of thwarting domestic drilling and instead purchasing oil and gas from tyrannical rulers in Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, it makes no sense at all to do that. It just doesn't. How do you... you, How do you sit and know we have wells that are capped around the nation? We have drilling ribs that are just sitting dormant where they were when Joe Biden just basically said enough's enough, and he began very quickly to shut down exploration, moving forward in different areas. 9,000 leases are ready to go, Bureau of Land Management, but these oil companies don't trust the Biden administration because he has a history as we've seen happen he'll just get a whim and cancel something and when you commit to drill a uh, Hainesville shale well they're 15,000 or so deep it's a 40 million dollar package That's a lot of money to spend only to have the president of the United States after you're spending it, kicking the stool out from under you that you're standing on the Biden administration. They have actually tried to blame soaring gas prices on the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Evidence once again, runs contrary to their claims When you look at the price of gas, folks, way, way, way before the Ukrainian invasion. uh, When the invasion started, the average gas price was $3.51 a gallon. The day Biden was sworn into office, uh, the price was $1.65. So he had a year, almost a full year. And his price of gas went from $1.65 to $3.51. You just can't blame it away, but that's what you expect from Democrats. Prices were on the rise long before Russia invaded Ukraine. Republicans aren't alone in their push for this more oil and gas investment. Even people like Elon Musk the billionaire entrepreneur renowned for his development and promotion of clean energy technology and solutions. He founded Tesla and has argued that oil and gas investments are mandatory at this time. Everyone, it would appear, recognizes this point except the Democrats, he says, who keep doubling down on clean energy, even as the American people double down on their complete disgust with what they say are controlling parties' skewed priorities. There's no truth there. You know what I've noticed? It just seems like every time the Democrats get together and they throw something out there, they attack something that maybe somebody from the other side said. Or they just do something that they know rubs against normalcy and the way things should be, the way things have been in the past that proved themselves, and now when they, Joe Biden does one of these crazy executive orders or they just arbitrarily decide they're not going to enforce laws anymore and people react, these people go crazy. They scream and holler and point and make allegations against people that are just, on the most part, trying to work and do best as possible that they can for their families. They're scared to death, questioning where we're going to be next year at this time. What's the next year going to look like? And what about what about the midterm elections? And we talked about those. I told you, I reminded you, they're coming up in November. Everybody is just about to start their campaigns for those election seats. In the House of Representatives, every two years, there's a vote and every seat comes up for re-election. You want to hear Vice President Harris's, Kamala Harris? Listen to what she has to say to Democrats when she got back from Poland about what to do regarding our midterm elections.
5: Our task is to show people that in many ways they got what they ordered. Right? Right. They said, this is what they wanted. They stood in line. They took time from work. It was difficult. And a lot of what they demanded, they got.
2: Well, I'm not sure they asked for record inflation, out of control crime and a border that's on fire, Rachel, but maybe I'm wrong.
4: No, that's not what most of us voted for. But let's face it, this is what the Democrats ordered. And part of this goes back to the original problem that we talked about. Why is she there when we know she's clearly not qualified? And this is a bigger question for America, as we are living in this equity and diversity way of hiring people. The Office of Vice President, the Cabinet of the President, these are very important jobs that should not be relegated to people just because they are a certain skin color or a certain gender or meet some political POLITICAL identity that is fashionable right now um, what she said is that was actually very dangerous could have led to war we need to return to an America where um, achievement and merit a merit-based way of, of uh, achievement and that is not happening and so it's not I, I don't want to single out just Kamala Harris does anyone on this panel think that Lloyd Austin is the very best that we have for Secretary of Defense or for that matter the, that our secretary System doesn't fire people when they screw up, like General Milley. Imagine being Zelensky right now. Um, the, these are the misfits that should have been fired after Afghanistan, and now they are leading the military response um, in this crucial time for your country. I mean, this is make or break for Ukraine. Um, there, we need to get back to merit-based um, hiring, away from all well, this identity politics, and put in the very best. We have amazing people in this country. I, I, Hire the best.
2: I hear you on your criticism uh, across the administration, and perhaps uh, Defense Secretary Austin's a discussion for another day. But specifically related to Harris, Charlie, let me ask you: We just saw a retooling of her entire comms shop because she did not handle well the border czar job that she got. They were going to try and and reset, if you will, as they say here in Washington. Didn't seem that that's working. Yeah,
3: uh, and I think we're starting to see a lot of other Democrats, especially in Congress, who are waking up uh, to the polling that they're seeing for November. And of course, they they, they face voters this year, whereas Kamala and uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden do not. Um, and so I think we're starting to see a real fissure between Democrats who are up for re-election and the White House. Um, and we're going to see, uh, I think, probably more daylight as as time goes on. But the thing that's really frustrating about that is even though you have uh, clear evidence that the White House is leading a disastrous political campaign, um, you don't have a White House that seems open to changing policies. You don't have a White House that seems serious about dress, uh, addressing things like inflation, like gas prices, in any sort of, uh, in any sort of rational,
2: intelligent, or even-handed kind of way. Going to be a very interesting midterms
6: come November. Hang tight. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else.
1: So you just heard
6: kind of
1: uh, an explanation of where the Democrat Party is and what they're getting and uh, what they want to get. Vice President Harris, she made it very clear, voters got what they wanted to get when they elected us. I don't think that's quite true. President Biden weighed in with a little bit about that. Old Uncle Joe, he's up right after this at TNN Live.
2: Cars today are computers on wheels, that's it. Uh, The fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but. When something breaks, can you afford to fix the touch screen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely no, that's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's gonna break. It happens to everybody, including me, so get coverage from America's number one Auto protection company like I did, and find out why Car Shield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. Today on Hey Culligan, Softer Equals
0: married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman.
1: Let me ask you this. In this political environment that we see ourselves, when you see these politicians from both sides, Republican, Democrats, they get in front of a camera and they start talking about upcoming elections and what the people want, what the people don't want, and the insanity of each of the parties. Talk about living in a bubble. This president addressed the party faithful, the Democrats that you heard Kamala Harris speaking to the other night at the Democratic National National Committee winter meeting, and he urged Democrats to approach these midterms coming up in a couple of months with the same energy and enthusiasm they had in the 2020 election, Or the nation is going to face a, quote, sad two years with Republicans in control of the House and Senate. If we don't do that, he said, don't do that, it's going to be a sad, sad two years. Think about Republicans if they controlled the Congress these last two years. (laughs) I think we'd be better off than we are. He said, I believe we have a record to be incredibly proud of, a message that resonates. Build a better America, he added. Now we have to do the work. Now what we have to do is we have to sell it with confidence, clarity, conviction, and repetition. Stop right there. Let me ask you this. How can anybody, without lying, without misrepresenting the, the truth, on anything and everything that has happened under this president. How can anybody describe any of it as being any good? I mean, I can't see anything in it that is good. Biden sees NATO unifying, he says, in the face of Russian aggression. And he's using that as a Democrat Party selling point. But it's really not happening, folks. Never mind that critics suggest that Putin acted as a result of Joe Biden's weakness. Not what he says, but what he does. In that same speech, the president pushed the latest talking point, the gas prices that have been rising since he took office, he's calling them Putin's price hike. But with inflation at a 40 year high, it remains to be seen if the American people fall for the smoke and mirrors. He wants everybody to forget that gasoline at the pump was $1.65 the day he was elected. And uh, when Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine, the price of gas was under $3. It's now more than $4. He's touting his accomplishments while he's doing that. The Hill reported polling by Sean Cooperman showed that 61% of voters agree that Biden and Democrats are out of touch with the hardworking Americans and have been so focused on catering to the far left wing of the party, they're ignoring Americans' day-to-day concerns like rising prices and combating violent crime. Equally concerning for Democrats. There's a clear sense among the 2022 electorate the state of the country has deteriorated since Biden became president and that he's not lived up to expectations in some cases. i got to be honest with you. He's lived up to mine. Show social media users were certainly not picking up what Biden was laying down. Here's a couple of examples. Replying to The Hill, this is Kelcat. What does Biden think the last 16 months have been? Horrifying comes to mind. John C. Berry at ShrinkGov. Can't get any sadder than right now, one might say. Stephen Barnes. What do they call the last 14 months? Kamuri Gadson. You didn't know? Sunshine and rainbow Uto- utopia. Dale Cooper. As opposed to the current sad two years we're experiencing right now, L-M-A-O, cheers with Europe when you're out of office. People don't agree with any of the stuff that is being fed, trying to convince people. It's really good out there, boys and girls. It's really good when it's not. It's not. Top voter, top voter coming up to the election. I'll say it again and remind you again. Inflation. And it's not, it's not Vladimir Putin gas price hikes. It's Joe Biden gas price hikes. And that's a fact. Well, it's this time of year. I mean, tomorrow is the Ides of March, the middle day of March. It's spring break time. And it's already started. Over the weekend, chaos in Fort Lauderdale, spring break crowds mobbed the beach with a bunch of drinking and wrestling just days after a group overdosed on fentanyl-laced cocaine. Did you hear about this? I'll get into the details in just a second, but let's talk for a second about the first traditional spring bake since the COVID pandemic. They shut them down, basically. Festivities that began this weekend are expected to run into late April. More than half a million Floridian students are anticipating to have time off during the first week alone, and these masses have called for new rules in the area. Some of the safety precautions include banning tents and furniture like folding chairs from the beach, prohibiting coolers, electric scooters, and even loud music and speakers. In addition to the population there already residing in the state, Tampa International Airport expects to see an increase in travelers over the 2019 records by as much as 29%. Peak days could see nearly 90,000 passengers flying in and out of Tampa compared to about 65,000 in 2021. Some businesses there, like the Coconut Inn on pasa Grill, have reported their best overall year as in tourism, as tourism in Florida, has gone way, way, way above pre-pandemic levels. Owner Maggie LeBlanc said, we've already seen super busy days on the beach with the weather getting nice lately. We're definitely going to see the volume go up for spring break. I'm excited about that. I think it's a great thing. I really am. I am really excited that Americans are awakening. They're putting the fear to the side and they're saying we got to get back to business as normal. Well, despite all this, there is some bad news that comes out. Everything hasn't been pleasant in the sunshine state Thursday, last week, Thursday, a group of six young men, including cadets from the U S military Academy at West point were rushed to a hospital from their Wilton Manors rental home after they overdosed on cocaine laced with fentanyl. Four of those people were reported to use the cocaine. The other two folks, listen to this, the other two went into respiratory arrest after they were giving CPR mouth-to-mouth to those military academy guys. They went into respiratory arrest. Three of them have been released, one is in stable condition, the remaining two were last reported as being in critical condition, and on ventilators. It's rather alarming that this substance could be out there, and that literally one can use and put you into cardiac arrest. A spokesperson for West Point confirmed five of the six involved were cadets at the Academy and investigation has begun. The local cops released a video on the dangers of fentanyl and cautioned tourists on the risk of illicit drugs of all kinds and the mixing of substances. A follow-up post announced they had successfully arrested the individual responsible for selling the cocaine to those military guys, but the damage is already done. I mean, just think about it, folks. There has been caught discovered at the, at the Southern border, just so far from October till this past weekend, there has been enough fentanyl caught coming in and there's a whole lot more that hasn't been caught, but there's been enough caught coming into the United States of fentanyl alone, not the other stuff enough to kill every American eight times. I'm serious. Just the fentanyl that has been caught being smuggled in at our southern border is deadly enough to kill every American man, woman, and child eight times over. Enjoy, really, folks. Enjoy spring break, but don't do it using drugs. And certainly don't buy and use any drug that somebody else hands you or somebody you don't know, and don't trust anything somebody gives you. These guys were innocent at this. They thought they were buying some good stuff, some cocaine, and I'm using good figuratively because I don't believe any of it's any good. I've never, tried, never smoked a joint, never used cocaine, and I don't want to. I don't want to take a chance. Let's switch gears. What about that laptop from hell? what are you talking about, Dan? I'm talking about the Hunter Biden laptop that he left in uh, Delaware at that repair shop and didn't come back and get it. And when the owner began to examine the content on the, the uh, laptop hard drive, he saw a bunch of stuff there that he thought was illegal, federally illegal, and he turned it over to the FBI. Nothing's been said about the contents from the Biden administration. They poo anytime it's brought up but I've seen probably 50% of the contents, and it's it's horrible. So guess what's happened to the technician at the computer shop? You're not going to believe this. The guy that repaired that laptop from hell and turned it over to the FBI, he said that he was fired and his unemployment claims were repeatedly closed until he sent a letter to Senator Chris Coons, who's a Democrat from Delaware, asking if the state agency was weaponized to punish a perceived political enemy. And then this guy, he threatened to take the story public. John Paul Mac Isaac, age 45. He told the New York Post he'd applied for unemployment in December of 2020, a month after he was forced to close his computer shop in Delaware and moved to Colorado. Isaac says his cases were repeatedly closed, forcing him to use his 401k funds to make ends meet. He was eventually told to stop opening new claims. The computer tech finally sent a letter to Coons in December. I would hate to think that I was singled out in a politically motivated, motivated attack. If a state agency was weaponizing to punish a perceived political enemy, the country has a right to know. Mac Isaac wrote. After sending the letter, he began to get unemployment funds, though Mac Isaac said he ended up receiving a few thousand dollars less than what was owed him. While Mac Isaac's dealing with the state unemployment agency left him questioning if he was the subject of a politically motivated attack, he got an invoice from the IRS last year that he described as fishy. I think it looks rather fishy, he said. I've been punished for my actions on so many levels, both to hurt me personally and to set an example for anyone else that might be trying to strike a blow against somebody or to blow the wrong whistle, whistleblower, blowing the wrong whistle. That's a scary thing, folks. I don't know if you've ever had a uh, head-to-head with the IRS or any other branch of the federal government. They come into every meeting, every conversation, and every letter you ever get. They make it very clear that they have an unending cash in the bank that they can use to drive you to whatever limits and uh, end that they push. They're not bound by anything. They control everything and everything they do. And they make it very clear. And believe me, government has more money than you or I could ever think about having. And if they ever run out, they just write a check. Yesterday, again, we reminded you the uh, the talk shows were really crazy. People just saying these stupid things. This is not one of them. Former CIA director... Former General David Petraeus he weighed in on the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. He he told Castamitis of um, a host of New York WABC AM radio the Cats Roundtable that everybody involved, everybody involved was losing as a result of this war in Ukraine. He pointed to Russia. Russia, he said, is heading toward a recession because the U.S. is strangling their economy. He said, the Russians are losing because we're strangling their economy. The rest of the world is decoupling from various Russian exports and imports. Their financial system is decoupled from the SWIFT system. Central bank reserves are frozen. It's going to throw the Russian economy into a recession in just days in a very substantial proportion, not to mention the fact that Russian forces in Ukraine have now lost probably more than the US lost in 20 years of war in Iraq, so it's probably about 5,000 killed and then several times out wounded. The big question is whether we can even replace their losses expeditiously. He continued, on the battlefield, the Ukrainian forces continue to stymie the Russians. They demonstrate vastly greater fighting spirit and capabilities despite the disparity in large weapon systems, air forces, and other equipment issues. But they are basically holding the Russians at bay around Kiev. That's the main objective of the Russians, capture the capital, replace Zelensky, the president, which is so inspirational. He himself has been described as truly Churchillian. I did that right here at TNN Live. I think, which is not hyperbole, to replace it with a pro-Russian government. But it's starting to look. I don't even know if the Russians are going to be able to encircle Kiev at this point. The Ukrainians continue to make the Russians pay a very heavy price for their military ineptitude. General David Petraeus kind of just laying it out there for us. Folks, I got to be honest with you, normally, in in a regular war, you pretty much, you can tell what's going on, why, why the planning, why the doing it at this particular time, where they're going to attack and all that. It's like a map. It's like creating a roadmap and just following that. And this whole thing, as far as we're involved in it, anything that we're doing, there's no structure. There's no planning, there's no strategy. It's just like, hey, how are the people going to think about this if we do this? Okay, let's go do it. Hurry up and get it done today.
0: Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network.
5: Beat yourself up hotline.
2: Mm-hmm up hotline yes
5: sir if you'd like to beat yourself up this is the place to
0: do it okay
2: i'd like to beat myself up now please go right
0: ahead when you're comfortable
2: i am so stupid i can't believe how stupid i am what an idiot i left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again now it's a huge hassle why do i have to do this to myself every year when oh when will i learn
5: you beat yourself up very well sir thanks but maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com.
2: SmartShip.com?
5: Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute.
2: Wow. SmartShip.com? Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought?
0: You're really good at this, sir.
2: I've been told it's a gift.
0: SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done.
1: morning, Fox News, Peter Doocy. Um, he was asked a question about what he has learned watching about is there, and if there is, where is Vladimir Putin's red line? Is there a red line there? Has a red line been even mentioned by Joe Biden or others in this administration?
6: And the latest is... Uh in the latest fits with what we've been hearing from the Biden White House. They told us late last night that he had a conversation with Emmanuel Macron in France and that the two of them were discussing recent diplomatic engagements and their efforts to keep uh, to make sure that Russia is held accountable for what they are doing. But this White House is almost entirely focusing their response on financial punishment. The president. Uh, one of the most colorful bites that he's had recently was at the end of last week, where he said that uh, the reason that the Russian stock market remains closed is because once it opens, he says it's going to blow up. But I, thats it's all financial. He means it financially. They are not going to send U.S. troops into Ukraine. And it sounds like that's a no matter what situation. The red line for this president continues to be THAT THEY'RE NOT GOING TO GET INVOLVED MILITARILY UNLESS OR UNTIL PUTIN ATTACKS A NATO ALLY. BUT AS LONG AS UKRAINE REMAINS OUTSIDE OF NATO, WHICH THEY DO, uh, IT DOESN'T SOUND LIKE THIS PRESIDENT IS EVER GOING TO GIVE THE ORDER TO SEND U.S. TROOPS IN. AND THAT INCLUDES IF PRESIDENT PUTIN DECIDES TO DO WHAT APPARENTLY U.S. INTELLIGENCE IS SUGGESTING, WHICH IS GET CHEMICAL WEAPONS INVOLVED ON THE BATTLEFIELD. PRESIDENT BIDEN IS SAYING THAT If that happens, Putin will pay a severe price, but they are not outlining what the severe price is. And based on everything this president has said about the Ukraine conflict, uh, that would be financial.
1: Financial, follow the money. That's the way to find what's uh, responsible for pretty much anything. Speaking of that, the International Monetary Fund, they have predicted that Russia's gonna be really busted as they're headed for a deep recession as a consequence of what's going on with their invasion in Ukraine, following the former Soviet nation's invasion on 24th February. Seems longer than that. Just February 24th, that's when he started. A bunch of nations, not just us, have imposed sanctions on Moscow, and they've already had a horrible economic knock on effect that it gets Bigger and bigger, grows every day. Speaking on CBS, the managing director of the IMF, Kristalina Georgieva, warned the West should expect a deep recession in Russia as a result of the sanctions, highlighted the ruble depreciated significantly, which is an understatement, which has significantly diminished the purchasing power of the Russian people. Georgieva wondered of, warned of ramifications that go beyond Ukraine and Russia, saying their neighboring nations, such as the Central Asian Republics, the Caucasus, Moldova, may also be inadvertently severely impacted as they rely on Russian and Ukraine trade items, as well as having to accommodate the outflow of people in a refugee wave across Europe. Looking more globally, moving past Russia and Ukraine's immediate neighbors, The IMF's managing director raised concerns that nations who have yet to recover from the COVID-induced economic crisis are going to experience a painful economic shock coming out of this invasion of Ukraine by Russia. This is not a local thing, folks. This is not just a northern or eastern European thing. This is already today impacting the entire world and it's not going to get any better. It's absolutely not going to get any better. Hey folks, we've got a special guest and you're going to you're going to want to make sure you pay attention to who's coming on the show this week. I won't give you the name. You've heard him here before and I'm not clear yet if he's going to be able to come on tomorrow or Wednesday. But tomorrow's TNN Live, you're probably going to be here anyway, but don't miss it, don't miss the Wednesday show. And anytime you do, you can go to any number of the podcast sources and you can find TNN Live. We're everywhere. Most importantly, we're with you. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for sharing and what we do. Tell others about it. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. sharp at TNN Live.
3: 3 in the morning I can't be dreaming, I'm wide awake Watching you sleeping and I realize There's no place that I'd rather be I reach out to touch you My heart starts to race, and at the touch of your skin there ain't no mistake and I'm lost in your eyes I see all that I need to see I'm feeling new things Every time that I hold you I'm telling you